Here's the Smart Retirement Cast brought to you by Smart Retirement Media. Now, here's your hosts, Mike and Matt. Okay, listeners, we're back for another episode of Smart Retirement Podcast. Just like that, it's July. Woohoo! I saw a meme that was just absolutely classic because this year has been like playing a video game or like that Jumanji board game where yep. one day you're in a, a volcanic escape and the next day there's like bad guys after you. Uh, this this meme had a group of what looked like like not really good people, like people that would be like, you know, um, just troublemakers, if you will, is the best way to summarize okay. it. Yep. And they, they were all bunched together in like a pack around the corner of a hallway, tapping open the door that said July. Like they were basically <laughs> like afraid. To afraid see. to touch the button. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, on, we're on to level seven now. Let's see how that goes. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Level seven. Level it's, seven. Um, you know that there's been a lot of cases uh, currently in both California and Arizona that are pretty shocking. We're seeing a lot of the smaller mom and pop businesses have to go back into um, closing again. Um, but I wanted to share some quick economic news with our listeners. There's a couple things, some metrics that I'm always looking at to see how our GDP is going to shape up and how the economy is going. Um, just this morning, manufacturing for June uh, manufacturing units came out and surprisingly, Matt, it's been the biggest month over month increase in manufacturing in 30 years. So obviously in May manufacturing looked pretty bad in April, it was abysmal, but from, uh, May to June, June is booked and now reported is the largest positive increase. So that's a huge factor in the right direction for me. What that means to me is that, you know, jobs are obviously cranking out. Um, you're not really manufacturing widgets just to manufacture widgets. So that means orders are coming in. Yep. And so that's capital expenditures and jobs. And then you pair that up with the fact that the Dow Jones is still standing strong. It makes me believe that these power brokers believe that this is something that would recover, this economy would recover this year. Um, I don't know how we're going to recover without a vaccine, but um, what I like to just have listeners think about is, you know, as we get closer and closer to the end of Q3, we're going to be able to see if a lot of these states, these, these states that are in a lot of trouble, i.e. New York, California, you know, parts of Arizona, Texas, are in a lot of trouble, if they can really combat this virus, then we could start seeing a full-on recovery right? economically. Um, where are you, what are you seeing and reading, Matt, on your end? Well, you know, it, it's been interesting out here in Arizona because everyone was so ready to kind of go back to everything being open and um, they just came back out for 30 days. We've, uh, we've gotten rid of uh, gyms. And uh, yeah, outdoor water parks, things like that. Um, you know, restaurants are still open though, so 
I don't think they're seeing as um, or as concerned as some of these other states are. Uh, we are saying that, you know, the majority of our cases are kind of a younger population, right? Everyone was scooped up, ready to go out and start doing things. And, you know, that was to be expected, but I don't think they expected it quite to the extent that it is. But, um, you know, a lot of small businesses are concerned. Uh, you know, you're seeing a lot of them offering promotions and things going on to kind of jumpstart, um, you know, business and things coming in. So it's interesting to see, you know, I mean, I'm trying to do my part and shop a little bit more with uh, the mom and pop shops than, uh, you know, your, your Walmart's targets just to kind of help support them. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think a lot of people in communities are starting to kind of have that same mindset. So I think in, in a lot of ways, this, it, it could turn out pretty good. So. Yeah. I mean, one industry that did extremely well with consumers instead of large municipalities or business this week, last weekend were the fireworks. Yeah. Holy no kidding. smokes. I saw the best illegal firework display I've ever seen in my life. We were down in Lancaster, California. So that's just above San Fernando Valley. That's Northern Los Angeles. So it's high desert. So it's pretty flat. But there was this 180 degree panoramic view of people setting off, not like bottle rockets, Matt. I'm talking like full on welcome to Great America amusement park fireworks. Yeah. I don't know if you saw the uh, on uh, online, there was a, a news clip from the chopper flying in, in L.A. And uh, it was amazing. I mean, they, they were doing a flyover of the whole city and all you saw was fireworks anywhere you looked. Yeah. Uh, you know, everyone was like, OK, well, if you're going to shut down the beach, we can't come watch your show. We're going to make our own. So, right. right. You know, the rebellious nature of uh, a lot of Americans, you know, <laughs> we will have fireworks. You've taken everything else. <laughs> We're having our darn fireworks. You can't take away our fireworks. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully you're not putting in a disability claim today because you lost a thumb or a finger or something of that nature. But um, listeners, we're, we're so glad to have you with us. We're, we're actually going to touch on a very important topic today. Um, it, it's taxes, it's tax season. You know, everyone knows that the tax deadline got bumped out. Hopefully you did. Hopefully you didn't rush on April 14th to get this done only to find out that you lost a full night's sleep to get your, <laughs> to get your taxes in three months early. But, um, July 15th, which is not this Tuesday, we posted the show, but a week from the day we post the show, July 15th will be the original tax deadline. For those of you who have sen- extended before, you know that all you have to do by the time of the deadline is to file your 46, uh, 4868 extension form, and then you can get yourself up to, uh, I believe it's up to six months, but the IRS likes to see you file by October 15th. Right. Yeah, so we'll see I don't if know what they that's do there. That won't go into a new year. That would be weird. That would be weird. I don't see them doing that. I think they're going to say, okay, for regular filing, um, you know, they push it back to July, but I think October is still going to be the late filing uh, deadline, but they haven't, uh, they haven't said anything yet on it. So we thought we'd touch on it. Listeners, if you're a new listener to the show, maybe you were looking for tax advice and you saw our show come up. Um, welcome to our smart retirement podcast. Um, we have all types of episodes. We started in August of 2019. We've gone consistently Every other week we post a show. It's on all types of retirement topics. This one being taxes really applies to everyone. That and death can't you can't get away from those things. That is true. Um, and um, 
And so we want to start with just a couple of of tips that you read, Matt, over the week that you saw in your article. You won't go over all of them because some of them are kind of... Yeah, I mean, a lot of these are kind of... uh you should know if you're filing taxes type of deal. Um, but it was it was an article I found just on Google through it's like handy tax guy. And I'll put all 11 of these up on our Facebook so everyone can review them. Um, but you know, I mean, just simple things like putting checklists together. Um, I know my CPA doesn't and Mike, I don't know about yours, but it's nice when you're trying to get everything together, have a checklist, right? Have all the 1099s in one place, keep a folder for that type of stuff. Um, wouldn't you say you probably do the same thing there, Mike? Organization is just kind of ingrained in me because of what I do. But yeah. 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 Definitely. Um, you know, one of the things that I see a lot with my clients even, and they ask, you know, what's the best way to file? Right. So you've got different ways to file married, filing jointly, separately, single, head of household, et cetera. But what I would advise for some of you is if you have, you know, children living with you, single man, male, woman, male, female, excuse me, um, you know, you can file as head of household, which might give you some better exemptions than just filing as a single individual. So something to keep in mind, if you haven't talked to your tax professional about, uh, I, I suggest that you look into that, uh, might be able to get yourself a little bit better of a tax return uh, at the end of the day through that. Um Let's see. The other one that it says here is being good about keeping receipts, uh, you know, to be able to file for deductions. So if you're someone that's not going to take the standard deduction and the standard deduction is just a set number that they subtract out and you want to do what's called itemized deductions, you want to be able to keep a, a log of all of your expenses. And if you get audited, you want to be able to prove that what this money was spent on. So one of the things that I would suggest for our listeners, if you haven't done something like this before, is there's a lot of apps out there that you can download. And I don't want to necessarily just mention one. Um, you know, personally, I use QuickBooks for it, but QuickBooks might be a little bit too robust for some of you that are just trying to take care of your personal taxes. Um, but apps out there that you can literally be out at a restaurant, if you're out to, you know, for a meal, for a business meeting or something, you can take a picture of that receipt. And it'll automatically save it into a, a file on your phone or onto this app. And then come tax time, you can just you know, push the button and download them all into an Excel spreadsheet and hand them to your tax guy, right? That's so amazing. Just, That's really yeah. cool. So just using technology uh, to be more prepared and more organized to make sure that um, you know, you're, you're, you're taking advantage of everything you can. Um, if we reference back to one of our shows, what would you say, Mike? Probably about a month and a half ago when we were talking about identity theft. Was that about a month and a half ago? Uh, it, it might have been a lot longer than that. Really? Yeah, I think time's flying. I think it was in like January. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> see, I, I'm losing track of days. <laughs> keep, keep going, though. I'll look it up. But you know, one of the things that I wanted to mention is you know. Being careful with identity theft. I've heard horror stories from a couple clients. They go to refile their tax return and the returns are rejected because someone has stolen their identity and filed a false tax return using their information and then being able to get some type of return back on that. So if you haven't listened to it yet, go back into our library and find the show that we did on identity theft protection. Uh, to make sure that you're secure there and you're not going to run into those types of issues. 
Yeah, Did so you find that it, Mike? Was in, that was November 26th. Wow. Of 2019. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you lost. You lost half a year, Matt. Well, I feel um, like I've lost half a year. <laughs> yeah, that's. That's in season one. It's it's probably it's right in the middle of our library. You guys can go if you're new to the show, smartretirementcast.com forward slash episodes. It's got all of season one, which we uh, closed out at the year. We close out at the end of each year. Season two started in January, if that makes sense. And uh, we've got them categorized that way. Ironically enough, we started this year with a uh, wealth triangle. So you might want to check that out. We got a lot of traction on that. There was a three-part series. We talked about growing and protecting your wealth and building a foundation. Um, it's over three different episodes. So it gives you some good insights, something to think about while you're walking the dog or or um, you know maybe tinkering in the garage on a project. It's just good, good information to load into your brain. Um, go ahead, Matt. Yep. And uh, all I wanted to say there was uh, out of the probably the last step uh, out of all of these. And again, I'll post the rest of these on our Facebook, but is using your refund to get one step ahead. And I think that's what I'd like to focus today's show on, Mike, is when you do, if you do get a refund, how can we best spend or utilize those funds to get one step ahead for yourself, for your future, for retirement, whatever the case may be? And Mike and I are going to run you through a few ideas there today in today's episode. Um, so, Mike, why don't we go ahead and take a quick break? And when we come back, we can dive into some of those ideas. Absolutely. Let's do it. Cool. Well, we, we will be right back. Honestly, when was the last time you really took a hard look at your retirement plan? With the market the way it's been, it can be easy to become complacent. A new decade is upon us, which comes with a lot of questions. Can the economy and the market continue to grow? What will the next election do to my investments? Is it time to sell my house before the market adjusts to downsize and take advantage of the equity? How can I best maneuver to maximize return? The answer is simple. It never hurts to get a second opinion from a team like Century Financial Consultants. With over 40 years of financial planning experience, Get a free retirement analysis from Century Financial Consultants today to see where you stand and if you're ready for any changes we may face in the coming year. Give Century Financial Consultants a call today at 866-53-RETIRE. That's 866-53-RETIRE. Prepare for an uncertain tomorrow so you can relax and enjoy today. Get a free retirement analysis from Century Financial Consultants by calling 866-53-RETIRE. That's 866-53-RETIRE. Century Financial Consultants, California license number 0L23991 and 0175. 638. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender, licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act, NMLS number 328358. Mike Points is a licensed loan officer in California, NMLS number 1246224, and is only licensed to offer advice on mortgage products. He is not licensed as an investment advisor. All of the mortgage products Mike Points will discuss on this show are for educational purposes, and these products should be reviewed by a licensed loan officer before taking these mortgages on as your own, as they may not fit your specific situation or needs. All right, listeners, we're back from that first break. Thanks for sticking around. If you listen to the beginning part of our show intently, you realize that we're going to get into some tax tips today, and really we're going to get into what we think is a smart move with your tax refund. Now, 
listen, if you, if you don't get a refund, typically this show is still for you because, um, I think there's some good practical knowledge here of what to do with maybe when you get commission checks, you know, any large lump sum of money that you get on top of your normal income, this, these are some good, um, tips to apply. You know, Matt deals with more of the fun, sexy side of retirement, which is income and assets, but I deal with more of the boring yet um, attractive, or should I say sexy when they're all gone, which is the debts, especially housing mortgages, excuse me, mortgages for housing. So I'm going to touch on today a couple ways that I advise my clients to use their refund to reduce their housing payment over the course of the year. You know, when you get your loan from a bank, they give you a, let's just call it a 30-year mortgage, and you have that payment. You know exactly what it's going to be. You always um, have the option, if you have more than 10% down on the property, whether it's a refinance or a purchase, to handle the property taxes and the insurance yourself. Um, and many of you living in condo condominium complexes or some housing developments have HOAs. So we're going to touch on ways to really minimize all of these things. But first and foremost, I want to touch on uh, a really good way to apply your tax refund to your mortgage. Okay. So there's two ways to do this. What I'm going to do in these two scenarios, I'm going to pretend that you, the listener, are getting a refund of $4,500 at the time in which you file your federal tax returns. I won't get into the state returns um, because each state's different, but let's just talk about federal. Okay, right now, you're, if you filed this week and you're looking to get your refund, it's probably going to take, what were they saying, Matt? Like two months, roughly? Correct. Yeah, I mean, they're backed up. Yeah, they're backed sure. up. So it's going to take longer than normal. But when this money comes in, here's one of the first things I suggest you do with those funds. Okay. If you've got a mortgage, take a look at applying the full amount to your mortgage payment in one lump sum payment and get in the habit of telling yourself every year, no matter what I do, when I get this refund, whether it's $4,500 or $2,000 or $6,000, that month after I get it, I'm going to write a check to my mortgage. Let me tell you why that's a good idea with these figures here. So in scenario one, I've got a, a borrower that's got a $400,000 mortgage, okay? And every 13 months, because I figure he, he's going to file or she's going to file their mortgage at the same time every year, and they're going to get the refund one month after that. So if they every 13 months they apply $4,500 to their mortgage, they're going to knock off eight years of paying that mortgage. So they'll be done and the home will be free and clear eight years faster by just throwing that money at the mortgage ahead of time. What's great about this is not, not only is this feel good to reduce your debt and improve your equity, which is always a great risk management step, but immediately the following month, your payment stays the same, but more of that same payment is going to start going to more principal than what was originally scheduled by the, by the bank. And this is how the amortization chart schedule works. Banks want you to have a low payment and banks want you to feel good about having a low payment. 
But the only way to do that is to stretch it out over 30 years. And when you stretch it out over 30 years, the amount of interest that you pay in 30 years is just absolutely disgusting. It's it's almost like buying the house twice. It's usually 70 to 80% more than the money you borrowed from the bank at the original time of the loan. If you were to take it all the way to fruition and close it out. So listeners, the first thing I would do is I would say, hey, just don't think about going to Hawaii. Or if you do, do that with work that into your budget. Make this refund a a mortgage crusher. Just instantly apply it to your mortgage. Now, for those of you who are nerds about numbers and thinking, well, yeah, you could do it all in one sum, but it's probably better if you do it monthly and divide that amount. I went ahead and did the figures for you. So what I'm saying is that if you did 375 a month instead of $4,500 all at one time, you actually only, you pay that house off one half a month faster. So it's completely nominal. There's no major difference in paying extra monthly versus paying one time a year. As long as you pay, you know, the same amount you would have paid monthly. So again, you could do it this way. Here's a way to think about it. If you've gotten your tax return and you say, every time I get a big chunk of money like that, I just, it's so hard for me to write a big check to a bank. I'd rather, you know, pay off my car or do something else or go on a trip. Look, talk to your CPA, figure out a withholding schedule, meaning you could withhold a bit less taxes from your paycheck every month. Get a bit more money, discretionary money, into your bank account when you get paid, whether it be biweekly, monthly, or whatever, and then write that $375 check to the mortgage at that time. So I'm here to say, you know, as a loan officer, I offer debt every day of the week. That's what I do. I put people into loans. But the best clients I have find ways to get those loans paid off as fast as possible. Here's a couple other ideas about housing expense that you may not have thought of. And um, this is something that I do myself. When I get my federal income tax return, uh, excuse me, refund, I instantly pay off the property taxes that are due in December. And so what that allows me to do is, A, have them paid off, very nice, but B, when I get to the end of my year, this very year we're in now, and I'm trying to find ways to be tax efficient for 2020, I now have the discretionary income set aside to pay off April's taxes in 2021. If I actually write the check, Matt, and it and it goes to the municipality before 1231, I get to write off as much property tax as possible. Um up to the amount of uh, $10,000, which is put in law by Trump's new tax code in 2018. So the maximum property taxes you can write off. So don't do this if you've got a couple rentals and you've already exceeded your, um, you know, tax write-off amount for property taxes in one year. So that's when you have, that's the category that talks about state, local, and county municipalities. You can only pay them up to a certain amount in a year. After that, you've still paid the liability, which is nice, but you can't write it off on your taxes for the federal government. Um, Here's another one you probably think of if you live in a condominium or a housing development. 
you know, that HOA fee, it comes every year separate from the, excuse me, every month separate from the mortgage, pay that off as much as you can try to pay the whole year off in full. If you do that, no $200, $300 a month bill that comes to you, which feels nice. Plus, if you sell the house, if you're going to sell the property, the buyer by law has to reimburse you for the HOA payments you've already made. So if you get, if you're thinking, ah, we're going to sell probably early next year after this whole COVID crisis clears the air and we feel like we can have a better chance to sell, um, which by the way, should be a separate episode because right now it's really ridiculous time to sell your house. Um, it's great for the seller right now is even though it's still good for the buyer with interest rates, but I digress. Um, <laughs> the HOA, we can, we can the do H- a show on that, Mike, for sure. <laughs> the HOA payment is, is reimbursed back to the seller at the time of closing for all the months you've prepaid. Um, same goes for property tax. So if you didn't know that, so just think about like, if you have big housing expenses, I'm not talking about like utility bills. I'm not talking about the trash bill. I'm talking about property tax, getting that mortgage paid off. So your balance sheet looks sexier earlier in life or um, things like HOA fees. Use your refund to do that. Think ahead and pay those things off. I'll tell you what, the first year is going to be tough. You're going to look at your your partner and say, God, I wish we, sh- we should have just gone to Scottsdale or Hawaii or you know Florida if you're on the East Coast and go enjoy ourselves. But after a while, you're just going to fall into a groove and that's going to be what you do with your money. And that's what this show is all about, making smart decisions. We don't have a uh, podcast of how to blow your money in retirement. Do we, Matt? Nope, we do not. We, I, I, I would have fun, you know, doing it. That could be a lot of fun. But uh, again, maybe for another episode. <laughs> yeah. So um, listeners, do me a favor. This after you hear this show, go ahead and write into us info at smartretirementpodcast.com with what you do with your refund. I'd love to hear it. Um, I won't say your name or you know who you are on the show, but I'd love to get smart ideas of wh- what people are doing with their refund because by the time this next show airs, which will be um, the 22nd of July, many people will have filed their tax returns, but they will not yet have their refund. So let's share with our community here some other good ideas you have. Um, Matt, with regards to the housing expenses, that's pretty much all I have to offer for today. Um, you know, there's certainly other ways you could you could obviously put this money into IRAs, other stock accounts, doing other things with assets. I'd like to, after this short commercial break, get to some of the ideas you have with your clients and the way you capitalize on these tax refunds. Absolutely. We so can do that. let's do this. Let's take a quick time out for our sponsors. And when we come back, Matt's going to give us some cool tips and tricks about what to do with your tax refund. We'll be right back after this short break. Hey guys, Mike Points, co-host of Smart Retirement Podcast and a licensed loan officer. Let me ask you a question. When is the last time you sat down with your mortgage officer to discuss how your mortgage is going to affect you during retirement or how the current products and laws out there now are different from when you originally got your mortgage? Allow my team of retirement specialists and myself to put together a proposal for you that shows all of the different products and options you have right now. This is something we can implement in the next one to two months that helps you 
to improve your current situation. If you're not able to remove your mortgage payment with your current mortgage, if you're not able to tap into the liquidity, and if you're not able to prepare better for healthcare costs, I want to show you how we can do that. So please contact me by calling 866-53-RETIRE, option two. Once again, that's 866-53-RETIRE, option two, or contact me at info at smartretirementcast.com. Look forward to hearing from you soon. And MLS number 124624. Uh, yeah. So this is crazy. I mean, the shows we record here are live, so we don't have like a fancy editor that cuts out things we don't say or, you know, stops us and then starts re-recording again. I was at the break and Matt reminded me to that I didn't even mention my coup de gras moment on why you would, <laughs> why you would pay the mortgage, mortgage off. So I'm sorry, listeners, but here it is. We caught it before the end of the episode. Hopefully you didn't uh, turn us off. Um, and try to find our how to blow money in retirement podcast. But um, so here's the real smart piece of doing the $4,500 uh, a year towards your mortgage. Now, let me remind you of the scenario since a lot's happened since I originally did. I've got a borrower with a $400,000 mortgage to start. Their payment is $2,143 a month on a 30-year fixed mortgage. That That's a 3.375 interest rate. For 30 years fixed, payments $2,143. Every 13th month, instead of me as the bank getting a $2,143 payment, I get that plus $4,500. Well, I got to apply it to the principal. That's how these loans work. You would have that loan paid off eight years early. Um, In order to do that, you'd have to pay $4,500 a year for 22 years. Well, that works out to be $99,000. Now, when you say that figure, you're like, whoa, that's a lot of money. But remember, it's over 22 years. Here is the coup de grace moment, though. Because you did that, you're going to now be rewarded and not have eight years of remaining mortgage payment. That mortgage is paid off in 22 years, even though you did it as a 30-year fix. If you would have, if you would have elected to go to Hawaii and not do this, you would be keeping the loan for 30 years, which means you'd have eight more years of payments at 2143 a month. Well, guess what that number is? That's $205,000. So to think about it this way, if you're in a house you love, you know you want to keep it, whether it's a rental property or a primary residence or a vacation home, it makes a ton of sense to attack that mortgage because for every dollar you throw at that mortgage with your tax refund, you're actually going to end up saving $2 in the long run. And if you're 40 years old right now or 45, and you did that for 22 years at 65 or 67, you would be, excuse me, 62 or 67, you'd be mortgage free. I mean, if that was a rental property or a vacation home, that would be something you could just go to without ever having a liability payment other than the property taxes and the insurance. Or if it was a rental property, think how much you would cash flow as you enter into retirement. So 
these are the these are the tips that I really want people to apply. Again, like I said, if you're not the type to get a tax refund on the regular, just start creating this plan where you pay $4,500 or a large sum of money each year towards your mortgage. It's remarkable how much it actually eats up the principal and disrupts the bank's 30-year amortization schedule. They're missing out all that money, $205,000, most of its interest that they're missing out on. So I wanted to make sure I got that out. Um, I've got a quick question for you, Mike. Um, so what if you've got the client that is younger, they're doing this, they're paying down the mortgage, and they're concerned that they're now going to lose their you know, mortgage deduction when they go to file taxes because now they've paid it off. Any thoughts there? Yeah, it's a great point. Without a mortgage interest payment to a bank, you don't get what's called a 1098 tax form, which is the form the bank sends you to help you declare with the IRS how much you actually paid in interest. So you would lose some tax efficiency there. Um, there's no doubt about it. Uh, but what I always say is that, you know, I'd rather be in the position to have a tax liability and no payment versus have a payment and get a tax write off. But yeah, there's the, the only way to, the only way to combat that and still get a, a tax write off would be to take out a loan. Right. You know? Which is what we're trying to avoid, right? Well, <laughs> you could point. do. I mean, you're trying to pay it off early, so it's a function of leverage. Like, who, if we have someone that really has a tax issue, you know, you can take out a hundred thousand dollar thirty year mortgage, and that interest rate today is going to probably, depending on how well the house is valued, it's probably going to be right around two point seven five to to three percent. So even that is not going to be that big of a tax write-off. Sure. You know, you'll probably have a $480 a month payment of which 280 to 290, let's just call it 300 is interest. So you're really only writing off $3,600 a year. And now you've got a little bit of a cash issue. Like what do you do with the hundred thousand dollars? Sure. I mean, do you just, you could, you could, that's where arbitrage comes in, right? So you'd leverage, mm -hmm. try to get a return much higher than the interest rate you're getting. And if you can really smarten yourself up, you you do it tax deferred or some product that grows without taxing you in the year. So that, Absolutely. you know, that's what these power brokers and, you know, the, the people on wall street, they're doing that on a huge scale every day. Yep. You know, but I, I like, here's what I like for my average Joe. I just don't want a payment. I don't want it. I don't want any liabilities in retirement. I want to have like a thousand dollars a month in expenses and then the rest can go to fun or my grandkids. So I'm going to play, I guess, devil's advocate here. Sure. And say rather than taking that money and paying down the mortgage, I might have another solution because with rates being so cheap to borrow money right now and with the market doing fairly well. You know, there's products out there, believe it or not, that are still, you know, that are safe money stuff that are earning anywhere between seven to 10%, very conservatively with no market risk to you whatsoever. Okay. And, you know, I think this might be an alternative to maybe your suggestion, or you can do a combination of the two. 
Uh, Mike, I think you would agree. I mean, life happens. No matter how far ahead we plan, things come up, right? Yeah. All the and, time. you know, it's great paying down the mortgage, but on the flip side of that is we're really not investing back into your bank account or anything that's liquid per se that you can pull from at any given time, right? So I think as the financial planner on this, looking at it, you know, you we want to do a couple of things to kind of establish this properly first, right? We want to make sure that an emergency fund's taken care of. And then once that's established, we're looking at other things, right? It might be, uh, you know, let's talk about the big life events that most people are going to have, right? So you're going to have your child's or grandchild's wedding, maybe. You're going to have some college funding, hopefully. Um, you're paying off that mortgage. You might be buying a retirement home. Uh, and then later on in life, we might have, you know, some healthcare costs that we need to be aware of, right? Yes. So you got a boat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, the things can be endless there. And what I always like to guide my clients through is the mindset that rather than taking that trip, like you said, Mike, out to Hawaii, is investing back into yourself. And can we go throw it into the stock market? Sure. Uh, you know, can you leave it under the mattress? Sure. I mean, there's so many different things we can be doing, um, but I've yet to find a product as good as what I'd like to talk to you about now uh, that kind of is able to cover all of these bases and even have some protection for you later on in life and for your family. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about some life insurance in here, and it's not your traditional life insurance um, like your whole life or anything. This is this is a type of life insurance that builds accumulation inside of it and can be used for income later on in life, all tax free. Okay. So let's see, we can put money into this thing. We can access the funds really at any given time if something were to come up and you needed to borrow funds from it. So you've got the liquidity key to it. You've got protection for your family should something come in later on or suddenly that uh, you know would disrupt the uh, the breadwinner, if you would, inside the household. Um, and then you can also use funds later on in life for not only income, but you know, let's say in 10, 15 years, you've got that college expenditures coming out. You can build these so you can pull money from it for the four or five years, however long your child is in school, and then turn that back off continue contributing to the policy and then later on when you retire actually pull funds from this to supplement your retirement income and this type of insurance is called a fixed indexed universal life insurance policy now i've got one of these mike i know you've got one of these um it's a very good way to have flexibility when planning for retirement. So in the scenario that I ran, and I don't want to get too into detail on how these things work, because actually our next show that Mike and I are going to be doing with, with you all, um, I've got a special guest by the name of Chris Foley coming in from Core Income Advisors. And Chris is kind of an industry expert on these index universal life policies. So I want to have, we're going to go through some myths and things on that. But in this particular scenario that I ran, I took and said, you're a 50 year old male and you take, let's say you've got about a, 
a $6,000 a year tax return, right? That might be a little high, but just to give us an idea of what that looked like. So 50-year-old male, good health, putting in $6,000 a year into this thing until let's say maybe age, what, 70, Mike? I think that works. So we're still going to have a death benefit that's around a couple hundred thousand dollars. Uh, at the end of the 20 years, you're contributing to it of the 6,000, you've put in about 114,000, believe it or not, over that 20 year period. So the numbers definitely add up. But what ends up happening is then when you start taking income from this thing, you're going to be able to pull out about $20,000 a year tax free for the rest of your life while still having a death benefit available to your heirs should something happen to you suddenly. So you know, just in a 10 year window of pulling money out of this, you would have taken out over $215,000, right? So talk about return on investment. Uh, you know, you're really helping yourself later on in life with that income piece in there, right? Because we all know, especially like myself and Mike, I don't know if you're worried about it with Social Security may or may not be around when we're ready for it. Uh, we need to be thinking about these types of things and how we're going to help supplement our retirements. And what better way than to take something that while you're working now, paying back into yourself and then paying dividends to yourself later on in life at the tune of over $1,500 a month, right? Absolutely. So. Hey, Matt, so you're right. I do, listeners, I, I did debate Matt about this topic. I think the first thing I said was, yeah, I don't really want to do life insurance as an investment. I just want to buy a death benefit or like a term policy and invest the difference. But what I learned from sitting down with him in multiple sittings is that there's so much flexibility. This is a another great, much like reverse mortgages. This is another great tool that supplements your retirement plan. It, Absolutely. What's cool about it is that you could at any time, you know, discuss with Matt during the proposal and the setup phase, hey, I want to retire at this time or I want to start taking money from this thing at this time. And he'll be able to show you how much you can take monthly tax free, how much you can take and stop paying the premium altogether. So, and he can show you how long the, the life insurance will last. Plus he'll also show you what I love about this. It's like, it's like an ace in the hand is for a bad reason. But if you pass away from a unexpected premature death, this benefit goes to your heirs or your beneficiaries tax-free. Yep. Um, yep. You know, the life insurance portion itself you're putting this money in after tax so it's really a it's it's kind of like a Roth isn't it you know you could look at it that way um, because it is growing tax-free um, and when you take money out of it it is tax-free and it's tax-free to your heirs. so yeah I mean in a lot of ways tax-wise you could look at it that um, you know with a Roth you're actually accessing your funds back out whereas with a in, uh, life insurance policy you're loaning the funds back out uh, in the form of policy loans so it's a little bit different um, but if we're thinking on the lines of tax wise, yeah, I mean, you could, you could call it that. What is, what if I said, well, Hey, I, I've got the $6,000 a year from a tax refund and I want to do another 10,000 on top of that. Sure. Is there any limitations on how much I can do or? Nope. Nope. And it can get as, as wild as I've got a couple, um, 
large investors that, you know, they're putting fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year into something like this. But then what we do is there's things called premium finance, and I don't even want to get into this show talking about it, but it's essentially where you can borrow premium or loan premium from a, a premium finance house. So you're going to put in the 60, they'll match your 60 and double it type of deal. So you'll have 180 to $240,000 annual premium. And they essentially get a share of the death benefit when you pass away, but you're able to reap the benefits of the income while living. Uh, some pretty interesting stuff there, interesting stuff there for like high net worth individuals. But, you know, what I'm seeing a lot of this for is, you know, I've got a client that's 45, 50 years old, comes in. They've got this extra money every year. They're trying to figure out where to put it. And this is usually the first step we want to go to. You know, the annuities make sense for someone that has a lump sum. Uh, this is going to be more for the person that wants to invest over time that maybe wants to have a little bit of diversification inside their portfolio rather than contributing everything right into their their for, traditional 401k, Roth 401k, or the IRAs. Uh, you know, I was running a scenario for a client the other day that he's 55 years old. We were looking at getting about $500,000 of death benefit in this thing, but also wanted to be able to use it for uh, for income. And so what we did is we kind of illustrated this thing out and let's say he started with a $500,000 death benefit at 55. So at age 70, let's say he's got a $200,000 um, balance left on his mortgage, right? We'll bring your mortgage back into this. So we take $200,000 out of the life insurance policy, pay off the mortgage, okay? Keep on going. Death benefit's still at $627,000 even after taking out the two hundred dollars because it's had 15 years to build. Then at age 75, he does what you mentioned as well, Mike. He wants to go out and buy that vacation home, right? So he takes another 150 grand out of the policy to buy a beach house. And let's say from there, you know, maybe another five years later at age 80, he takes another 50 grand to help uh, one of his grandchildren pay off some student loans or, or something like that, fund some college. So even after taking out about $400,000 from this policy over his lifetime, he still has almost a $250,000 death benefit that his family is going to receive. Okay. And, and on average, what was his his annual or monthly premium? So the way that this client was going to fund it is he actually was using a lump sum. So this client actually put in a lump sum of $250,000, was able to access you know, the 400,000 out of it and still have his $250,000 left at the end of his life. Cool. So again, you know, seven to 10% returns can definitely help, especially when there's, they're not being taxed when you go to try to access them. Right. Yeah. And this isn't your whole retirement plan, you know, no. and many times it's not, but there's a lot of people out there that just can't get behind, you know, being all in, in equities or, being all in in real estate ownership. And I think this is a nice hedge because it just does a it just gives you plain, simple to understand options that are guaranteed. I mean, they're there. It's a contract with the insurance company. Absolutely. Um, why don't you help us understand how we're going to have that guest on the next show, Matt? Yeah. So as I had said, uh, Chris Foley will be coming and joining us. And what I'd like to do, Mike, is we'll just kind of do a, uh, I found a couple articles online that are kind of anti-index universal life, and I've seen some that are kind of pro-anti or pro-index uh, universal life. So what we'll do is we'll kind of pick his brain and kind of have like an open question forum with Chris 
uh, and kind of dive in that a little bit further on our next episode. Maybe do some myth busting. That's the yeah. That's that, that's it. <laughs> myth busting. That's we'll call it uh, IUL myth busting. That'll be a good show. Yeah, good. So, uh, Mike, anything that you want to uh, say before we wrap up here today? No, that's going to touch on all of it. Very good. Well, listeners, we'll be back here in a couple weeks uh, again with our special guest. Uh, we will leave you today with a uh, little Charlie Daniels, and let's go out and make the rest of our lives the best of our lives. Thanks for listening. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide or construed as providing specific investment advice. Any economic forecast set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee the strategies promoted will be successful. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risks, including the potential loss of principal. No investment strategy or risk management technique can guarantee return or eliminate risk in all market environments. Thanks for tuning into this podcast. California license number 0175638, NMLS number 1246224. Know it, but I'm a fiddle player too. And if you'd care to take a dare, I'll make a bet with you. Now you play pretty good fiddle, boy, but give the devil his due. I bet a fiddle of gold against your soul, cause I think I'm better than you. The boy said, My name's Johnny, and it might be a sin, but I'll take your bet you're gonna regret, cause I'm the best as ever been. Johnny, rising up your bow and play your fiddle hard. Cause hell's broke loose in Georgia and the devil deals the cards. And if you win, you get this shiny fiddle made of gold. But if you lose, the devil gets your soul. The devil opened up his case and he said, I'll start this show. And fire flew from his fingertips as he rosined up his bow. And he pulled the bow across the strings and it made an evil hiss. And then a band of demons joined in and it sounded something like this. said, well, you're pretty good, old son, but sit down in that chair right there and let me show you how it's done.